So let me uh, just go through just a couple of quick announcements. Um, one is that bulletins are weekly now. Uh, as of last week, they were monthly. Now they're weekly. Go figure, huh? What a wonderful thing. So uh, there are going to be bulletins always just back on the back table. And if you ask Betty when she's greeting, I'm sure she folds them for us and she'd be happy to get you one as well. Uh, we don't have that many, so just one per family, but, you know, we do really encourage you to, you know, check out the bulletin information online, but we want to put it in print also, really just to make sure that everybody knows what's going on with our family. That's what this is all about, just communicating with our family about things that are going on. do want to remind everybody just about a couple of upcoming events. We have a men's breakfast this next Saturday, 8 a.m. Uh, it's for all the guys, old and young. Um, so please, uh, make a commitment, just make a decision to come. It's really a great time. And again, we have a very semi-famous, I'll call, featured speaker. Um, so can't, tell, can't say who or what, but uh, you'll want to hear this. So men, 8 to 9.30 Saturday morning. Um, our giving options, again, just want to thank everybody for what you have uh, just given, just so generous, gener generously. Um, Giving online, giving while you're here, mailing in all the different options that we have. Um, and I just want to mention one last thing before uh, Jordan comes up. Um, I, she wasn't here for me to kind of get her permission, but you, uh, if you were here after church last week, uh, you might know that Joanne Moore had just kind of a, a little bit of a medical incident and where there was concern at the moment, but Joanne is fine. We just wanted to communicate with everybody that it was uh, resolved quickly. She, you know, got medical attention and uh, she's doing just great, um, back to normal, so to speak. But um, we just wanted to update everybody about that. And Jordan's got an announcement about youth. Well, good morning, everyone. Got a couple announcements for us. No youth group this Wednesday. I know, right? But we're going to have a movie night Friday the 29th. Um, we're going to watch the movie Sing. Has anyone seen that? Anyone? Okay, Isaac, I see that he has a couple. All right, I haven't. Dylan, you've seen it. Wow. He was saying he was not so much into those, so this will be fun. Um, so, yes, we are going to watch Sing. We're going to hang out, play some games, have fun. Um, and reminder, we're probably, probably going to watch it outside. So I would bring a jacket. Uh, remind your, your kids to do that or blanket. Um, we'll have the, the fire pit going, you know, get the ambiance and the vibes. So... Be looking forward to that this week. Um, and now that's it for announcements. So good to see everyone this morning. We're going to jump right into uh, continuing looking at the letter from the Apostle Paul to Philippians. Last Sunday, we saw that Paul made a shift uh, up until verse 27. He had been speaking really about his journey and some theological convictions that he had. And in verse 27 to 30, he he made a hard shift, and he began speaking to the believers in the city of Philippi. And uh, in verse, uh, verses 27 to 30 of Philippians 1, he said this, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything, by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation, and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, 
engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. And so last Sunday, we focused on verse 27, and and really the two key themes out of that was, you know, we're citizens of heaven, amen, right? And as citizens of heaven, our, our focus should be living out that citizenship, right? So in the last seven days, if you heard the message last Sunday or uh, Any time during the week, the question is, were you consciously aware of your citizenship in heaven? Were you responding to the news? Were you making choices? Were you using your time, your energy, your resources these past seven days as a citizen of heaven? With the desire to demonstrate by your life, your words, your priorities, what a citizen of heaven is all about, right? Were you, were you aware of that? Were you consciously a citizen of heaven, right? At work, at home, with your spouse, with your kids, right? Did you consciously choose to demonstrate your true citizenship being in heaven, right? So we talked about that. And then we talked about unity. As citizens, we're to be united, right? He said, standing firm in one spirit. So unity, okay? We're going to continue in the verse 28, and he's going to continue to give um, some pretty practical Um, instruction to citizens of heaven on this planet, okay? And uh, verse 28 to 30 in the ESV version says this, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. Uh, I like the New Living Translation, these verses 28 to 30 says this, don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. This will be a sign to them that they are going to be destroyed, but that you are going to be saved even by God himself. For you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. We're in the struggle together. You have seen my struggle in the past, and you know that I am still in the midst of it. And so, as we move forward, verse 28, the ESV, it says, not frightened in anything by your opponents. In the New Living, it says, don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. That's a pretty strong statement for believers. Don't be frightened in anything by your opponents. Don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. Now, I don't know about you, but, you know, hey, I don't really care for conflict because what, what they're talking about when he talks about your enemies there, he's talking about kind of like with David and Goliath where enemies would line up and opposing one another ready for battle. He say, when you're in that situation, when your enemies are right in front of you, right in your face, lined up right against, right, ready to do battle, Don't be frightened in any way. Don't be intimidated in any way. How many of you, just the thought of lining up in opposition, you already have butterflies in your stomach? Right? You you, kind of, oh, okay, how's this going to go? Right? I don't like conflict. I I don't like confrontation. And yet Paul says, I'm not to be frightened in anything I'm not to be intimidated in any way, right? And, 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 and that word is, is really interesting. It, it also means alarmed. 
And, and the word picture, it's, it's, a, it's a frightened horse. It's a horse that is in the heat of battle, is going to go into battle, gets scared, panics, and bolts, breaks loose. Right? So what kind of the word picture is, right? You're facing opposition. He says, hey, don't run. Don't bolt. Don't panic. Remember when he went through the book of Ephesians? Stand. Stand. And, and I find this passage really, really appropriate for current times and future times, right? When, quite honestly, circumstances may arise where initially you may be frightened. You may be intimidated. Everything in you may want to bolt like a horse that panics in battle, right? And he says, don't do that. Don't break loose. Stand right there. Stand. Right? And, and you sit there and you're like, wow. Two things we're going to go back. Why and, and how, right? And, and it's interesting because uh, kind of like he says, gives us, why shouldn't we do that? Why shouldn't we be intimidated? Why shouldn't we be frightened in any way? Well, look at verse 28 again. And it says, this is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. By you and I standing courageously, by you and I not being intimidated, by you and I not being frightened, by you and I standing our ground, it's a testimony. That in and of itself is a witness. Your courage as a believer is a witness to the world, right? Came across this commentary, it says this, When Christians are standing together in the face of external pressure, something is happening. A sign is given. It's a two-way sign. It's a sign pointing to destruction and salvation, to confrontation and confirmation, to judgment and assurance. Unbelievers are confronted with their unbelief and their impending judgment if they don't believe. Believers have a word of confirmation as God assures them in the struggle that they really are God's people and they will be saved on the last day. Amen. So when you and I stand our ground, when we're not frightened, when we're not intimidated, God's doing something. He's speaking to them, the unbelievers, and the opponents that the Apostle Paul was mentioning. He's not specific, but we tend to believe that it's the non-believers in the community that are persecuting and bringing you know, trials and hardships to the believers. When you stand your ground in the face of opposition... You're saying something to them, and being, they're being confronted, and you're being reassured that you're God's child. Amen? So there's two things happening there, and it's really important, right? Because sometimes what we, what we do when we get in confrontation or we don't know how we're going to handle it, we focus on ourselves and our efforts and our thoughts and our feelings, and, and, and I love this because right away, Paul says, hey, don't be intimidated, don't be frightened. Because it's really kind of not about you. By you doing that, it's a testimony. It's a two-way sign to them and to you. Okay? And so we're like, okay, God, I get that. I get that. I want, I want to be able to stand there. I want to not be intimidated. I want to hold my ground. How do I do that? How do I do that? Right? Some of you, I don't know what channels you listen to on YouTube or follow, right? Some of you may be, uh, you know, preppers. You've heard of preppers, right, who who like to uh, get ready for potential disaster, yada, yada. Well, 
I like this. I was thinking, of, well, how can we be spiritual preppers in one sense, right? For that moment when we face opposition, when we're lined up face to face, what, what spiritual prepping can we do so we're not taken by surprise, right? And so we're going to look at verse 29 and verse 30 a little more uh, in detail. It says this again in the ESV, For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Engage in the same conflict that you and I saw, that you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. Fundamentally, what we're going to look at today, if we're going to be spiritual preppers, if we're going to be ready for opposition and we're going to hold our ground and not be frightened and not be intimidated, it really, according to these passages, has to do with our view of suffering. And it's really interesting because this is going to go, a lot of what you're going to hear today is going to be really challenging especially in the American comfort, American dream culture that we have and our view of suffering as a whole. And we're going to get to that in a little bit, right? Dr. Gromacki says this, most Christians are like Peter in his earlier discipleship. They want the glory of the kingdom without the sufferings of the cross. They do not consider any suffering to be a gift. They want faith without conflict. These reactions show a great lack in their understanding of God's dealing with his children. So a lot of this has to do with theology as well. And the real biblical understanding of suffering and the new covenant and what's included in the new covenant. Right? Because, uh, who's on the computer? Is that Eileen? put up a verse 29 and 30 again. It says, For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Engage in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. Granted. Right? Keep that up, I. It says, it has been granted to you. In the New Living Translation, what we read earlier, it says, you have the privilege. And in that verse, there's two privileges. There's two granting. And that word grant and the word privilege comes from the word grace, charis, which is graciously bestowed. Okay, so, so what's really interesting, when you come to faith in Jesus in the new covenant, you've been graciously granted, you've been privileged to get graciously two things. Look, there's two things. It says there that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, so you've been granted graciously faith. Everyone say, Amen. You've been privileged to believe. Amen? All right? And then it says, you've also been privileged to suffer. <laughs> right? See, it's, it's really interesting. This verse links faith, the grace of faith, and the grace of suffering, the privilege of faith and the privilege of suffering. They are linked at salvation. You get them both. And they're both grace gifts. They're both privileges. Everyone say privilege. So you are privileged to believe, and you are privileged to what? Now, now, now wait a sec. I thought suffering was bad. Suffering means bad. I thought suffering was to be avoided in our culture. I thought the whole point of me working and getting a car and, 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 you know, all of that was so that when I retire, I don't have to suffer. Isn't the American dream about minimizing and erasing suffering? And now he says we're privileged to suffer? 
See, and the challenging part about this too is that, you know, and I've got to be careful here, there are a lot of churches meeting right now that say come to Jesus and you don't suffer anymore. In fact, you know, you'll get health, wealth, and a whole lot of good things, non-suffering things if you come to Jesus. And if you are suffering in your life, unfortunately, they teach it's on you. You don't have enough of this, and you're not this. You know, well, if you're suffering something, you must be doing something wrong. And, and you, you know, so, so we have these two things that are, that are really warring against understanding and, and really receiving this truth. Number one, you and I are raised in a culture where we try to minimize, erase, eradicate suffering. We don't embrace it. We want to escape it. Right? We're raised that way. Escape suffering. And then into the church comes sort of a, a, a prosperity theology that says, come to Jesus, and he'll really eliminate suffering. And so it can be really confusing because you come here, and he says, hey, you know what? Don't be frightened. Don't be intimidated. Stand your ground. Don't break ranks, right? Don't, don't just bolt because you've been privileged to believe and privileged to suffer, Okay, thank you. We got one amen out of, out of that. See, this right now, it, it's, it's and, and I was sharing with the group earlier, this message would resonate differently in, a, in most of the other world if we're meeting out on a hillside with the rows cut out and we're dealing with suffering on a daily level, daily you know, basis. This is a really challenge, this idea of to be privileged to suffer for Jesus. It's a tough one in the good old USA. Because quite honestly, I'm going to believe that most, if not all of you here and when those listening at home, when this is over, you're probably not going to deal with a lot of personal suffering. I'm, I, I'm really kind of not when I leave here. And it's really challenging because in the way we do church here, we go out of our way to make you not have to suffer with uncomfortable seats and suffer with, with temperature issues and suffer with weather issues. We try to make it climate controlled, noise controlled, cushion controlled. Everything around the way we do church now is to what? Eliminate suffering, even suffering when we gather. Right? It's such an, kind of an indictment, a check you moment, right? About where, what's the state of the church? What if it was uncomfortable? What if we said, you know what, oh, the building, something happened, happened, we're going to go meet under a tree somewhere. Would you come? Or, or would it be un, just, ah, oh, it's uncomfortable. Ah, oh, it's going to be, it's going to be, ah. Oh. Right? And, and even in the church, this whole idea of privilege to suffer for Jesus you know, these are one of those messages I, I've been pondering this all week in my own life and in my own uh, worldview and how I was just not even raised, but even in, in ministry trying to figure out what does it mean to be granted? What does it mean to be privileged to suffer, right? Joseph Lightfoot says this, when God has granted one, of, one the high privilege of suffering for his name, it is one of the surest signs that he looks upon you with favor because to suffer for Christ in the interest of his cause is a favor granted 
only to those who believe in him. See, we've got to, we've got to kind of sit back and, and spend some time really rewiring our theological view of suffering from punishment to privilege, right? From escapism to embrace. This is deep. This, this, this impacts a whole lot of how we use our time, our resources, our priorities, right? Because again, a lot of the way we're raised in the culture, and I'll say the church, is to eliminate escape suffering. It just is. And yet he says, we, it has been granted to you to believe, not only believe, but also to suffer. And so I was thinking about this, and I thought of Acts 5. First time the apostles are literally persecuted for preaching the gospel. In Acts 5, verse 40 to 42, it says this. And when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. Okay, very familiar passage, right? Talk about the early church, early persecution. But if you sit there and you actually try to ponder what just happened to these two apostles, they're beat, they're flogged. And they leave that rejoicing because they were worthy, privileged to suffer for the name of Jesus. Okay, if that doesn't kind of cross your wires in 2021, you're not understanding the reality of what's going on here. They are beat, they are flogged, they go away rejoicing because they were worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus. And, and you sit there and you're like, how do you get to that place of worth, like counting it a privilege and like, man, I can't believe I was worthy to suffer for Jesus. I was worthy, right? When all along we've been running from suffering, right? And it's like, how do you get to the place where you're, right? And I'm thinking, how, how do we, what, what has happened? What, how can we maybe start to come back? And, and, and it made me think, in Acts 11.26, it, it says that's the first time that the disciples are called Christians. And so I was thinking, well, what is a Christian? Like, how many of us have actually taken the time to actually look up the etymology, the definition of Christian? Right? Now, many of you will say, oh, it's a follower of Christ. Okay, well, what does Christ mean? Okay, Jesus Christ. Christ is not his last name. Okay, that's not, right? Christ is a title. Christ means anointed one, Messiah. Okay? That's why when you call yourself a Christian, a whole big percentage of the world doesn't like you. Because when you call yourself a Christian, you're proclaiming that Jesus is the Christ. That's why there's a lot of problems in the world in, in terms of persecution towards Christians because we are making a theological statement to the planet that you believe that Jesus is the Christ. He's the anointed one. He is the Messiah. Okay, so that's Christ. What's in? What's shun? What's I-A-N? Anyone ever look up the suffix I-A-N? Because how many here would say you're a Christian? 
Okay, so Christian is made up of two parts, right? Christ and I-A-N. What does I-A-N mean? Because you should probably know because this is that part about privilege to suffering for being a Christian. So if you profess to be a Christian, what is Christ I-A-N? Because that, that's an important suffix. That's an important thing, right? Well, the suffix I-A-N means belonging to the party of, kind of like belonging to the political party. Usually it's attached to the name of your master or your leader. So if you were a follower of Herod, you would be a Herodian. Okay? So if you're a follower of Christ, if you belong to Christ, if Christ is your master or your leader, you are a Christ, I-A-N. You are a Christian. Okay? So here's the thing. It should rock your world to be able to say that you belong to Christ. That is the most incredible, supernatural, mind-boggling privilege any human in all of history can have was to say that I belong to Christ. But see, we, we become so numb to that, that, that when, when we read that the early disciples were counted worthy to suffer for Christ, and they're like, woo-hoo, we're on Christ's team. We're known for Christ's team, and we took it for Jesus. We're, woo, can you believe that? We're worthy to be attached to the name of Christ. Somewhere along the line, we lost that. It is an incredible, supernatural gift of God for you to attach yourself to being called a Christian. Like Christian, like Christ belonging to Christ. I don't know how, I mean, literally, I'm like, okay, Lord, through your Holy Spirit, I hope you zing them during the week, because I don't know if they're going to z- get zinged here. I hope you're driving, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm a Christian. I literally hope you like, some, like the Holy Spirit goes, bunk, hey, hey, hello, hello, you know how much of a privilege it is to be attached to the name Christ? That's God. That's God the Son. You say that you, if you profess to be a Christian, you are saying you belong to God the Son. That's why if you suffer, it's a privilege to suffer for God the Son. It's a privilege to be living your life identified in such a way that you belong to him. And now the world wants to persecute you because they don't like you because you belong to him. Amen? It is a privilege. We got to get back. And sometimes, again, this is just where I think we, we've lost the majesty, the reverence, the holiness of God, and we've brought him right down to our level. And we don't, then we don't understand what it is to be rejoicing because we're worthy to suffer for Christ because he's now just our buddy. You call yourself a Christian, you need to chew on that. You need to meditate on that. You need to understand you are making a theological statement, which in many parts of this world will get you K-I-L-L-E-D'd. That is a theological statement if you profess Jesus is the Christ. It's a theological statement. And then if you attach I-A-N to that and then attach it to you, that is weighty. 
You go out of these borders, that is weighty. That carries some consequence. But we lose, we, we've lost all of that. Somewhere along, we just lost all of that, right? Warren Wiersbe reminds us, he says this, Roman law required each citizen to pledge his loyalty to the emperor. Once a year, the citizen would put a pinch of incense on the proper altar and say, Caesar is Lord. But the Christian confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord. Believers refused to bow before Caesar. Sometimes a Roman official would write the name of Christ on the ground or on a wall and ask the Christian to spit on it. If the Christian refused, he or she would be arrested, tried, and perhaps killed. By bearing the name of Christ, Christian, they were put to shame before their friends. But what a glorious name to bear. It is a name higher than any other. So if we're going to understand what he's saying in these verses, you got to take the time to come back and really, really let the impact of the word Christian and what it means to identify yourself as belonging to Jesus really means. And what a privilege just that is. What a privilege. I mean, I, I, right? And then we move forward and we say, okay, how else can we be prepared? Well, look at what Jesus says. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. All right? So if you're going to be a spiritual prepper and ready for opposition, A, you got to understand the privilege and what it means to be a Christian. B, Jesus says, hey, they did it to me. They're going to do it to you. You shouldn't be surprised. You shouldn't be surprised. 2 Timothy 3.12. Indeed, all who do desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be, everyone say, will be persecuted. See, and again, part of our, our, our theology, our lack of theology, sometimes we're like, why is this happening? I'm just trying my best to follow Jesus and do what Jesus says. And I don't understand why all this is happening and why I'm getting so persecuted by my family and my friends. Where's that verse? That's why it's happening. The Bible says it's supposed to happen. It will happen. Why are we so surprised? Why are we surprised? Because when you're surprised and you're kind of off guard in that spur of the moment, uh, uh, that's when you can bolt. Maybe not physically, but you say something, you give in, you go with the crowd, you, make the, you just give in to the flesh, you give in to the, right? Because you were just caught off guard, you didn't expect the persecution, and suddenly, oh, or, or if you're not ready for persecution, you kind of go into the victim mode. Oh, you know, I don't, I don't, why, why is this? And it's just part of it. You're privileged to suffer, right? Dr. Thomas Constable says this, all believers have received a gracious gift from God. It is the privilege of suffering for Jesus Christ. Few Christians view suffering for their testimony as a blessing, but that is really what it is. 
Suffering is one of the tools God uses to mold his children into vessels that bring glory to his son. Suffering even perfected the Lord Jesus. The Bible tells us Jesus suffered just like us. It's God using your suffering, the things he allows in my life and your life, for his glory, his purposes, right? Look at James 1. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Count it all joy. How many of you would be honest, and usually when trials happen, the first thing you think of is not joy? You're like, oh, it's more, oh, right? Count it all joy. Why? Because there's a purpose and a plan behind it. Amen? Right? First Peter 1 Peter 1.6. In this you what? Oh, come on now. You got to say it. Like, like Rejoicing is a good word. It's a happy word. Okay, say rejoice like you're going to rejoice. In this you? Rejoice. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Amen? What you're going through for the name of Jesus is for God's glory. He's molding you and shaping you. And what's important in that verse, and back in Philippians 29 and 30, is there's an important qualifier. You are privileged to suffer for his sake, for his name. It's not talking about suffering that I cause because of my poor decisions. It's not talking about suffering that, that's self-created because I'm choosing disobedience. He's talking that we are privileged to suffer for following Jesus in faith and obedience. Okay, don't, don't miss that qualifier, for his name or for his sake, Okay. So the question is, what's been your response to suffering as a Christian, right? How have you been viewing it? Is it something you run from? Is it something you resist that you rebel against? Or is it something now that you, okay, I don't understand it. You don't have to understand it, but you can still choose to rejoice in it because God is good and all the time, even in my suffering, Right? Right? Yeah, thank you. There's a yay, right? First Peter 4. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you. As though something strange were happening to you. But what? Insofar as you share Christ's suffering, share Christ's suffering, that you may also... And be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are... Oh, really? Because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. We're to rejoice because we're blessed. We're blessed. Look at Matthew 5.10. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Amen? This, these are just so foundational 
truths that I want to encourage you. These are great memory verses. These are things that in our current culture and where this country and this world is heading, believers, you got to get this down. Because if you get this down, this is now the biblical theological worldview framework that you're going to listen to the news and listen to whatever and read whatever. This is how you need to process things biblically. These are core truths about how we're to respond because we're privileged to suffer for Jesus and with Jesus, right, as Christians. One of the practical ways, too, you got you to gotta know the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, right? So when, we, when opposition comes, right, you need to kind of be equipped. We spent weeks, maybe months, on the armor of God, right? I remember uh, what, probably 20, 30-plus years ago, we went on a mission trip uh, to another country, and it was a mission trip where there happened to be other religious organizations uh, that were there and, you know, kind of identifiable and so we were out one day, me and some of the guys are walking through the neighborhood, and we see the other, we'll just call them religious organization over there, right? And we start walking to each other. And my buddy is like well-versed in what they believe. And I'm like, oh, boy, here we go. You know, and I'm like, in the, I put on my spiritual lenses, and I see my buddy with his sword. He's like, oh, I'm like, are they going to duel? You know, so we're walking up, and they're walking up. And, you know, it's all friendly. And my buddy's like, he goes to the front. He goes, hey, how you doing? And they're like, good. All right, take care. <laughs> we just get right on moving. <laughs> and in that moment, I'm like, are we going to, is there going to be like sword dueling here, theological sword dueling? Or are they going to go at it? And I was just like wanting to watch this duel happen, right? Because he, he knew that he knew what they believe, and he knew the word of God so well that he was going to, he was going to, you know, do what he needed to do. And I think about that because we have to be ready. If you're going to face opposition, it can't be your opinion. It can't be what you think. It can't even be what you heard. It's got to be the word of God says. This is what the Bible says. Even, you know, if you get this on a Saturday morning, if you're courageous enough to open the door, and some of you, by your reactions, you're like, shh. I only do that. I only say that because I'm a pastor and I do that. Shh. Honey. Shh. If, and you have a conversation. It's the word of God. Give them the word of God. Whether it's at your front door or anywhere. You need to speak the truth in love. Always be ready to give a defense. But it's got to be the word of God because when you give someone the word of God, you're allowing the Holy Spirit to take that word of God. So don't get into it with your opinion on that. Give them the word of God. Give them scripture. If they disagree, then you can nicely end it. But what you've done is given the word of God and the spirit of God can work on them. Do that, okay? So armor of God. I, I love this quote. There's a Roman military expert. He says this. The courage of a soldier is heightened by his knowledge of his profession. And he only wants an opportunity to execute what he is convinced he has been perfectly taught. I love that. The courage of a soldier is heightened by his knowledge of his profession. So you want to be courageous as we move forward into the end of this year and into the years coming ahead? You want more courage? You got to know the word of God. You got to know the word of God. 
okay? And, and it can start memorizing this. You, you know, take the Sunday messages. If you're in your Bible study, you got to know the Word of God. It will really increase your courage, right? And, and many of you, how many of you, again, you've been in a dialogue, a debate, a discussion, an argument, whatever you want to call it. How many of you have been in those? And however God does it, the Holy Spirit brings just the right verse, right? You didn't even know. You weren't even thinking of that. And suddenly you're like, and that's because you studied and you knew the word of God. And the spirit of God in that moment brought you the word for that instance, okay? So you got to know the word of God. And then you got to stay connected to the church. You got to stay connected. I love this quote. He's summarizing verse 29 and 30, what the apostle Paul is saying. This is what he says. Jay Ligon Dungan says this. You are facing, and you will face, great conflict and opposition because you're Christians. Don't be frightened about that. Don't be discouraged by that. Don't feel threatened by that. Because you've been given the gift of faith. You've been given the gift of suffering. And you're going through the same thing that I'm going through. The apostle Paul says, hey, I'm going through it too. We're all in this together. That's the importance of church. That's the importance of the body of Christ. That we're there, not in, only in times when we're being uh, you know, persecuted, but in times of need, we're there for one another. I love this passage, 2 Corinthians 1, 3 to 7 in the New Living says this. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. Even when we are weighed down with troubles, it is for your comfort and salvation. For when we ourselves are comforted, comforted, we will certainly comfort you. Then you can patiently endure the same things we suffer. We are confident that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in the comfort God gives us. How many of you find that very comforting? See, if you're wondering, perhaps, why God allowed you and took you through that valley, it was so you can take others through the valley. That you can comfort others with the same comfort in God's grace that you received. Right? I love that. And it reminds us that, that should it come a place down the road where we're lined up with opposition, that is going to be a we moment. And we are going to need each other for encouragement, for courage, for truth, for counsel, maybe just literally for physical needs, resources. If there was ever a time in our country, in our culture, the timeline of earth, when the church really needed to really commit to being the church, it's now. It's now. And I think a lot of what has happened, unfortunately, just from my perspective, is that um, a lot of the church has gone into isolation and individualism and like we talked about last week, kind of stepping away from a perceived need of this. When quite honestly, this is what's really needed. This is what's really needed on so many different levels. So many different levels. 
right? And so I want to encourage you to take the necessary time. You call yourself a Christian. What does that mean? Christ, I-A-N. What does it mean to say that you belong to Christ? What does it mean that if you call yourself a Christian, you're making a theological statement to the rest of this planet about what you believe about Jesus being Messiah? That's weighty, right? How have you been dealing with suffering? Do you see it as a privilege? Right? Is, is, is it this thing that you want to embrace or is it thing you want to run from as a believer? How do you deal with the truth that you're privileged to suffer, that it's been granted to you graciously to suffer for Christ? How, do you, how are you processing that? You've got you to take time. Because here's, here's what can happen. And, and now, as I was thinking about this, I said, Lord, you know, what does this mean even for me? How, how do I kind of, you know, the pendulum swing in this suffering and privilege to suffer? Well, I, I realize that if... I lose perspective and focus that suffering, I'm privileged to suffer, right? That it's just part of the deal, right? Well, what I can do, and and this is just part of the culture I live in, part of just whatever you want to call it, the flesh or whatever, I can start to slide into wanting to be secure and stable and comfortable and plan for the future and, right? doing all these good things, right? It's, it's, it, what the subtle thing is that it's good, right? It's good to plan ahead. It's good to financially plan. It's good to, it's good to, it's good to, right? And so I'm doing all these things, and I'm not saying you shouldn't. I'm just saying what can happen in my life is I do all these good things all about security and comfort and stability, and what I'm trying to do is eliminate suffering. And so suddenly what happens is I start to become more of a control freak, Because now my focus is on this and controlling this, and now I don't want anything to do with the privilege of suffering, thank you very much. And it's this tension that we can get into, and I'm not saying there's an easy answer to it. I'm just sharing with you the tension I have to say, Lord, help me not to lose sight that you say in the Bible that I'm privileged to suffer and not slide into the things of the world and try to run from suffering or minimize suffering when you say it's a privilege. It's, a, it's this tension, right? And I shared with the, uh, with the group this morning, I, I remember, and th- isn't this funny, this is, this is how it works. So when I started in ministry 30 years ago, maybe you know the story, I was in law school, God called me out of law school, right, in the youth ministry. And one of the great questions I was asked early on from going to a from a successful career in, in law to youth ministry was, well, how much does that pay, right? And you, know, you know, you do the you do the good answer, well, you don't go into ministry for money, you know. My blessings are in heaven, right, that, that answer. But it was so funny because when you went into youth ministry uh, back in that day, we didn't have any money. We were living by faith, right? And we were just like, okay, Lord, by faith, right? And, you know, we had, we had like, but we were faithful. God provided. God provided through his church. We had times when, when food would just show up at our door. We're like, how did that happen? I don't know how that happened. Okay, thank you, God. We were those very lean times when we were just like holding everything like this, right? And then you get older, you kids, da-da-da-da, you get more established, right? And now you got all these responsibilities, and suddenly, you know, things change. And now, 
Now, if you're not careful, you start holding things not so much like this. Right? And, and one of the things that, that my wife and I said 30 years ago is when we felt the, the call to ministry was like, we're going to view this like, um, you know, okay, we're going to trust you, Father. It's a gift of faith, and you're gonna, you've always provided. So wherever you lead us to serve, we're going to serve for as long as you want us there. And whenever it's time to pull up 10 stakes because you say it's time to go, then we're going to go. And do, 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 that happened, that happened, that happened. And that's how, that's even the heart that we brought to Ojai that got us here in the summer of 99, right? And so we've been here now 21 years, about 21 years. And this week, I kind of felt the check. I was like, are you still there? Are you still at the place where you're going to hold it like this? Right? Or is now like retirement on the horizon and, you know, and, and have you been here long enough to where, you know, you get to now settle down in Ojai and you get to, you know, and, and it was just this check, check like, okay, am I all about security now and I want to, yeah, or, or am I like, okay, Lord, no, no, it's a privilege to believe and it's a privilege to suffer. I'm, I'm holding it like this. I'm holding it like this, right? And so it was a check for me to come back to like where, what am I about, I guess is the point. What am I about? Am I about, now I've been in this long enough, now it's like my past, it's my career, and I need stability, and I need this, this, or all I am about, am I still about Jesus? Am I still about Jesus and just following Jesus because I'm a Christ I-A-N? See, I had to, this week I had to put off title, and I had to put off retirement, and all that stuff, and I had to come back to who are you? Well, I'm someone that's come to a place because I've been gifted Philippians 129, I've been gifted. God opened my eyes to who Jesus is. Jesus is the Christ. I profess that Jesus is the Christ. I also this week came back to, and I'm privileged to suffer for him without any title. It's just who I am, which means I hold it all like this. It's all his because I'm his. I had to come back to that place of freedom, right? That I've been granted faith and I've been granted suffering. I'm privileged to believe, I'm privileged to suffer. That's okay with me, because I'm a Christ I-A-N, amen? You just got to get back to that place. Sometimes life just happens, good stuff, bad stuff, whatever. Maybe this week, it's just, strip it all away. Just strip it all away. Strip it all away, just you and God. And come back to that place of simplicity and freedom. You've been granted the gift of faith. You've been granted the gift of suffering. It's kind of, that's just, that's what you got in the new covenant. Faith and suffering, amen? It's kind of there. If you come there, I've been like, okay. Now, don't freak out. It's not like that was a setup for me to say I'm leaving. I'm not leaving. And it's like, I'm not leaving. Like, like Kathy's like, oh my gosh, you were like holding your breath the whole time. You were like, <laughs> scared <laughs> But I will say this, we're still here as long as God wants us here. Because here's the, here's, the, here's the theological truth. If I'm not supposed to be here in God's plan, then you wouldn't want me here. And you should, be, you should amen that. Because it's his church. And he brings people in in the right seasons according to his plan and purpose for the well, for Ohi. I celebrate the season. I loved what I had to do. But I get, I, this week, however he did it through this passage, I went back to this. 
And, and it's great. We're here. I'm, we're fully committed. But we're here out of faith and obedience. And if it's time to go, we're going to go out of faith and obedience because that's what's best for you. <laughs> okay, so I just want to share my heart with you kind of as you process this because I know it's, you know, this idea of suffering, how suffering, if we don't embrace it, we slide into security and then we slide in control. And once we're there, we can slide into disobedience. But when you embrace the potential that you might suffer for Christ, then you're just free. Because <laughs> you know what? Then through the power of the Holy Spirit, you're not afeared. You're not intimidated. You can hold your ground. Not just you, but here's the thing. We do it together as a church. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, I... I know that this, this passage has been so challenging for me this week, and, and I have bunches of days to process it, and, and I can only imagine what it's like to hear it for the first time on a Sunday morning. And, and it's weighty. It's weighty. You say in Philippians 1, 29, you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. We are in this struggle together. So, so, Father, you know us. You know each person here. You know each person listening online. You know where we are with this issue of suffering. We often say that you are good all the time. So, Father, I pray that you would help us to trust you with this privilege of suffering. And that as we work through it, it would embolden us, that it would give us great courage and even great freedom, freedom from intimidation, freedom from fear of the world, freedom to be Christian, freedom to belong to the party of Christ, freedom to follow you, Jesus, one day at a time, just freedom. And so as we prepare for communion Mindful that Jesus, you say it as often as we do this, to do it in remembrance of you. And, and again, you came, and you knew you were going to suffer, and you did. But you said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. An incredible example of choosing obedience, choosing faith. And so as we take communion this morning, Father, we do do it in remembrance of Jesus and his suffering his example of love and faith. And I pray that that would resonate into our hearts as we leave here as Christians, as people who profess to belong to Christ. Amen. So let me uh, just go through just a couple of quick announcements. Um, One is that Bulletins are weekly now. Uh, As of last week, they were monthly. Now they're weekly. Go figure, huh? What a wonderful thing. So uh, there are going to be bulletins always just back on the back table. And if you ask Betty when she's greeting, I'm sure she folds them for us. And she'd be happy to get you one as well. Uh, We don't have that many, so just one per family. But, you know, we do really encourage you to, you know, check out the bulletin information online. But we want to put it in print also really just to make sure that everybody knows what's going on with our family. 
That's what this is all about, just communicating with our family about things that are going on. Do want to remind everybody just about a couple of upcoming events. We have a men's breakfast this next Saturday, 8 a.m. Uh, it's for all the guys, old and young. Um, so please, uh, make a commitment, just make a decision to come. It's really a great time. And again, we have a very semi-famous, I'll call, featured speaker. Um, so can't, tell, can't say who or what, but uh, you'll want to hear this. So men, 8 to 9.30 Saturday morning. Um, our giving options, again, just want to thank everybody for what you have uh, just given, just so generous, gener generously. Um, giving online, giving while you're here, mailing in all the different options that we have. Um, and I just want to mention one last thing before uh, Jordan comes up. Um, uh, she wasn't here for me to kind of get her permission, but you, uh, if you were here after church last week, uh, you might know that Joanne Moore had just kind of a, a little bit of a medical incident and where there was concern at the moment, but Joanne is fine. We just wanted to communicate with everybody that it was uh, resolved quickly. She, you know, got medical attention and uh, she's doing just great, um, back to normal, so to speak. But um, we just wanted to update everybody about that. And Jordan's got an announcement about youth. Well, good morning, everyone. Got a couple announcements for us. No youth group this Wednesday. I know, right? But we're going to have a movie night Friday the 29th. Um, we're going to watch the movie Sing. Has anyone seen that? Anyone? Okay, Isaac, I see that he has a couple. All right, I haven't. Dylan, you've seen it. Wow. He was saying he was not so much into those, so this will be fun. Um, so, yes, we are going to watch Sing. We're going to hang out, play some games, have fun. Um, and reminder, we're probably, probably going to watch it outside. So I would bring a jacket. Uh, remind your, your kids to do that, or blanket. Um, we'll have the, the fire pit going, you know, get the ambiance and the vibes. So be looking forward to that this week. Um, and now that's it for announcements.